From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., the Wisconsin Supreme Court is expected to decide soon whether to overturn Governor Evers' safer-at-home order, which closed non-essential businesses and put other restrictions in place to slow the spread of the coronavirus. The Democratic governor's order is set to expire May 26th. Republicans who control the legislature are challenging the order, largely citing concerns over its impact on businesses and the economy. The court has a 5-2 to two conservative majority, And when the case went before justices last week, the conservatives on the court had harsh words about the safer-at-home order. If the court rejects Evers' order, does that mean businesses could reopen immediately, or would procedures be put into place for reopening the economy? Well, it depends on what the court decides to do, because Republicans have found their lawsuit. They asked for an injunction to prevent the enforcement of the stay-at-home order, but they asked for a stay of that injunction to give them time to work out a deal with Governor Evers on a new set of regulations. Now, the court is not bound by that request. And originally, the Republicans asked for a six-day stay of that order. In a later filing, the Republicans relaxed that to at the court's discretion. And this is what they want to do. There's a thing called the emergency rule process. In that process, the governor's, a governor's administration's agencies uh, propose a regulation, and then it is put in place, and then there is a period for public for lawmakers to have authority over that. In theory, um, Governor Evers could, could work with um, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, Senator Leader Scott Fitzgerald, and hash out an agreement ahead of time before this rule is put in place. Now, in watching oral arguments last week, there was kind of a interesting line of questioning from some of the justices, like Rebecca Bradley, a conservative. She seemed to suggest that if this rule was, um, this order was inappropriate, that it should be just suspended immediately and asked why they'd want to give any time for it to remain in place if it was an appropriately issued order. So there is some question of one, how quickly the court is going to rule, and two, once it does, well, what might that decision look like and how long might it leave the order in place to give time for a new set of regulations to be negotiated? Coronavirus continues to spread in Wisconsin. According to the Department of Health Services, there are now around 10,000 cases and about 400 deaths from COVID-19. Governor Evers said last week that he didn't feel it was necessary to extend his safer-at-home order beyond the expiration date of May 26th, with cases and deaths on the rise, why doesn't Evers want to extend it? Well, a couple of things. One, it's all about flattening the curve, uh, as they've said for weeks and weeks, and that it means that they wanted to avoid a rush of cases in the hospitals, that would overwhelm hospitals in Wisconsin, and then really put hospitals in a difficult situation of deciding who to treat and who to let die, essentially. They look at this now and say, okay, things are progressing in the right trajectory, um, yes, there are more cases, but we're also testing a lot more. So part of that is just the number of, of tests being issued or administered. So the trend is in the right direction, according to the administration folks, in terms of what's happening. So he wants to, in his words, turn the dial. He wants to see a start to reopen in some businesses. He wants to see 
um, some life get back to not normal, but the new normal that we're going to have with COVID-19. The reality is without a, a vaccine, we're not getting back to the old normal anytime soon, but you also can't stay locked up indefinitely. Could there be political fallout for Governor Evers or for Republican legislative leaders if there's a sharp rise in cases after the restrictions are lifted? Absolutely. This is always the the danger, the difficulty in trying to manage something like this for public officials. If they do things properly, if they really hit this the right way, you're not going to see this kind of spike in cases, the spike in deaths, this worst case scenario that they warned about. And people will say, oh, you overreacted. If they loosen things up too soon and there is a spike and we do get to worst case scenario or kind of one of worst case scenarios is having a second wave this summer or fall and we have to go back into lockdown again, but for a longer period of time, that if that happens, you're going to get blamed for it. So it's a balancing act and they're trying to balance those, those things right now and deciding how to move forward. And finally, the special general election to replace GOP Congressman Sean Duffy of Wausau will be held tomorrow. The race pits Republican State Senator Tom Tiffany against Democrat Tricia Zunker, a member of the Wausau School Board. Tiffany has received the endorsement of President Trump. The district is largely Republican, so it seems it's Tiffany's race to lose. But it appears Tricia Zunker is a formidable foe. Do you think there could be an upset? Um, you know, there's always always a possibility. For Democrats, when I've asked them, they feel like their best hope is that there's a surge of enthusiasm among their voters because of the April 7th election and how well things went for uh, Joe Karofsky, their candidate in the state Supreme Court race, that because of COVID-19, there's much more of an emphasis on voting absentee and mail-in ballots, that they do a great mail program and get a lot of their Democratic voters to turn out that way, and that somehow they put all the things together and, and pulled it upset. But really, if you look at that district, it is really Trump territory. I mean, I can't remember the president won it by 17 points or 25, some, you know, upper teens in terms of a margin over Hillary Clinton in 2016. It has been a solid Republican district for a long time, even before Trump. So, you know, Tiffany's also got advantage overall for money raised for the course of the campaign. He's getting more outside help from groups. So everything seems to be in his favor. Now, if she pulls off the upset, that's going to make national news because it's, a again, a Trump, Trump territory, Republican district. And the reality is, even if she does well, yeah, honestly, even if she comes close on Tuesday, that would make news because, again, it's a Trump district. But the reality is, whatever happens on Tuesday is going to be somewhat short-lived because fast forward to November, the seat is back up on the ballot again. And you're going to have Trump on the ballot, and he seems to draw people out, his supporters out, more than when he's not on the ballot. So whatever happens on Tuesday, it might just be a warm-up for what happens for real in November when you have full turnout on both sides and a fully engaged electorate because we are going to be a one of the top swing states come November in the presidential race. So you'd expect to have much higher turnout, much more higher engagement come November. The election will be held against the backdrop of coronavirus. What kind of turnout do you think there will be? Good question. Uh, the Elections Commission had looked at um, absentee ballots, and about as of like Thursday-ish last week, they had about uh, more than a quarter of voters in that district asked for absentee ballots. Now look at statewide in the April election, it was more than a third, like around 36%. So we're not quite looking at turnout for April, from the, like comparison to the April 7th election yet, but probably higher than you normally get. I mean, it's just 
it's a rare election on the, on May 12th. You don't have these very often. So it's not expected to be a high turnout election, which again provides an avenue for you know Democrats if they have the more enthusiastic base, maybe, and I say maybe, they can pull the upset. Will there be an in-person component and what will that look like? Uh, yes, there will definitely be in-person component. Uh, it's a good question of what it'll look like because it won't be like April 7th where you had Milwaukee and Green Bay, for example, taking their um, number of available polling sites and knocking them down dramatically. And talking to the Elections Commission last week, they had already assembled enough National Guard members to help with the polls, to help every community in that district to have an in-person polling site open and staffed. They have additional Guard members who are on call in case there's a last minute, you know, somebody calls in sick or can't make it for whatever reason to take care of that. You know, people kind of ask Governor Evers, you know, he put so much effort into trying to delay the April 7th election. Um, why not do the same thing with May 12th? And his answer was that it's a different district. It's more rural. There are fewer COVID-19 cases. Uh, they've had more time to prepare and to ask for absentee ballots. So he felt like this election could go forward. You know, to cynics, it's more a case of this is not nearly as important a race to Evers and Democrats as the state Supreme Court contest was because, you know, it's a Republican district. Either way, it's not going to have the turnout we don't think just yet that we saw in, in April, uh, which was in the 30s for 30s for turnout, which is pretty decent. And what are you hearing as far as numbers of people who voted absentee? Uh, about a quarter had requested, of the registered voters had, quarter, had requested a ballot. Now, remember always there's a lag between what local clerks report in terms of what they've got for request and and what the uh, commission gets because of this this data processing system, they got to input everything. So there's a little bit of a delay, but as of late last week, it was about a quarter of all of the registered voters that requested an absentee ballot. Now, not everybody will return that ballot, so it's just one benchmark to look at um, compared to the April 7th election when we had, I think, around 36% of people request an absentee ballot. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.